Hello and welcome to a football podcast with myself, Christian Jack and Stephen Caldwell. Today we chat about Liverpool's big win against Newcastle, Manchester City on the doorstep of back-to-back titles, Toronto FC's clean sheet at Orlando, the Whitecaps, Montreal Impact and Partick Thistle safety in Scotland. While we're at it, let's do that right now. Congratulations to friend of the podcast, Gary Caldwell, on securing safety in the Scottish Championship and making sure sales of envelopes go up in Scotland. <laughs> you don't it's never in doubt, was it? Never Nobody in- will understand that <laughs> Well, this is why you're listening to the show. You're going to Google Gary Caldwell and envelopes. Yeah. And there's lots of news stories are going to come up. And we're not even going to spoil it for you. <laughs> Go ahead and do it. Uh, but in all, seriousness, in all seriousness, congrats to Gaz and Partick. Shawnee's here. It's a late night for us. It's been a big long day for all of us. But uh, how's the uh, football season going for you? It was a rough one this weekend. Done? Oh, no. no, no. It's two-leg final. Two- uh, but, but we showed up like a MLS team in the CONCACAF Champions League. 5-0? No? It was 5-1. Oh, it was it was rough. It was one one for most of the game. Is it altitude? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're a defender. Uh, yeah, five yeah. one. That's not, that's not good enough, mate. Did yeah. you ever lose five one, mate? A few teams. <laughs> <laughs> five nil Arsenal Friday night. Yes, I remember that one. A couple of five nils. I don't think other five one. Five nils. Two five nils. Yeah, five one's a bit Arsenal. of a bizarre score. Both Arsenal. There you go. See, this man's recollection is incredible. Uh, we're recording tonight on a Monday night with a week left of the Premier League. No champion crowd yet. Um, but we're all looking forward to Sunday. Yeah. All looking forward to Sunday. We're going to get into, um, our plans for our next show next week, uh, a little bit later in the show. And, uh, well, we're going to tape something after this show to surprise you for next week as well. So we're flying through this right now. Uh, but it is, um, Monday night and we have, well, what, five or six hours ago, finished the show at TSN Manchester City one Leicester City nil. What a goal. Yes. Vincent Company. His first shot from outside the box to uh, hit the target since 2013, yeah. according to Statsman expert Johnny Blaine, a great follow on Twitter. And a goal pretty fitting if it ends up being the one that wins in the Premier League title. Yeah, and a, a player pretty fitting of that goal, yes. wasn't it? And the captain, Vincent Company, who's been such a stalwart for eight seasons at Manchester City, their most successful captain, uh, a player who's just an out and out leader. He's picked in the team because of his leadership skills and because of his ability to uh, make other players play well, really, and, and get the best out of everyone round about him. And, and he's never see die winning attitude. But I don't think anybody in that stadium expected Vincent Company to step forward and unleash a uh, unstoppable twenty-five yard strike and in, in off the crossbar. Just Casper Schmeichel nowhere near it. It was just an amazing moment, wasn't it? In a game that had. Very little chances. There was a lot of um, frustration in the stadium. In fairness, the fans stayed with City as you would expect they would, but um, it, it looked like it may be in doubt for them to find a breakthrough. Yeah, and it came from the most unlikely source. Yeah, they didn't. I didn't feel like they started to overplay. Did no, you? Which not I really. think is important to note. There was they clearly, got better, didn't they? They did, yeah. yeah. There was a wave of pressure in the first half that Leicester saw out, and then they found the way yeah. to calm waters again, which we talked about a half time on our TV show where they really needed to get to that moment. Yeah. Uh we knew that Sane would be brought on, and he did. And obviously the the man, the magician, uh one of our favourites, Bernardo Silva, gives them the versatility to do that anytime. Yeah. Um, they do that. Interesting that that he didn't do that from the start, but I don't think it would have really fitted it, that. And maybe, no. maybe Pep saw that coming where Sane is maybe more of an impact when the team's tired with 35 minutes to go. And it was again, another early substitution, much like last week. Yeah. Um. Uh, so the, the last time he came on as a substitute, sorry. And then he delivered. So, you know, the, the substitution certainly helped them, I think. But what my point being City, there was not really an edginess. And I think it's important to note this because you know, I, I, I'm fascinated on the mental side and the characters of this team. And when last year they folded in the pressure against Liverpool in the Champions League, a lot of people, this is relevant to the conversation because of company, but a lot of people looked at City and said, they've got him. And then they got everybody else who are great players, but mentally quite timid, yeah. drift in and out of games. No real raw, raw guys who you're going to say, come on guys, we're going to get on our back. Aguero's not really, he's quite passive yeah. too. Um, but They've let their football do that talking this year. And I think that when you think about how things go wrong in a game, and you can talk about this a lot more than I can, but the mindset collapses before the technical collapses, really. Yeah. You lose the ability in your mind to believe that you can do it, but they haven't done that, have they, throughout this whole whole season? No, it, it was a, a game about belief, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. A side, that, that, a goal born out of belief, a, a player that, 
like you said, KJ had what was it? Hunt scored a goal ever outside the box. Never, yeah, yeah. yeah. Twenty thirteen, so many shots, and he believed at that moment where he made up his mind that he was going to strike it towards the goal. He believed he was going to put it in the back mm. of the Pep Guardiola mentioned that in his post-match interview. And it's a team that have unrivaled belief in each other, belief mm. in the process, belief in almost brainwashed in a certain way and they play in this Pep style of football and just 100% devotion to that, never waver from it. It must be the easiest team in the, the world to manage right now because they just, they're disciples. They know what he wants. They stick to it. They're uh, they're credit to him and a credit to their football club, and they believed that they just had too much quality. They were going to find a moment, mm. like I said, an, an an unlikely character for that moment. But with the quality they have, we'll we'll have our chance. We'll get our moment, and we'll keep the composure. And it was there all all evening. That composure was there, even though Leicester were terrific in the first half. Really terrific, and this was a big day for Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, he, did he great. went there. Great tactics. He's got a good bunch of players. He's going to make them even better. He's going to probably sign a couple, and if he gets that right, they really could be, along with Everton, in my opinion, two of the challengers, depending on what City, Liverpool, and even Spurs do, Chelsea in the off season, to maybe potentially get into that top four. But um, when it mattered most in the second half, when they just got Leicester really, really deep and they just started to become wave after wave, well, they weren't really breaking them down and creating great chances, you just felt in the back of your mind there was a goal there. Yeah, and, and that's how they feel, is it not? Yeah. That's, why, that, that's what brings me back to my original point where they didn't they knew things didn't go their way sometimes and that a pass would go wrong and Sterling didn't have the best of nights and David Silva didn't have yeah. the best of games, but they... They never really, I mean, it's easy to say, okay, 70th minute and the guy scree- puts, puts one in the scream in the top corner, but maybe it'll be interesting to see if they get to 85 minutes, what it would be really like yeah. and whether they'd start turning on each other. But we haven't seen it really. It won't happen. No, it just won't because of that belief. And you've been there, you know, Jurgen Klopp said something on the weekend when he was asked about the pressure and he, and he said, you know, like, why would I feel pressure when I, we're very confident we can do this? And, yeah. and you've, you know that, you told the story today in the green room at yeah. TSN about that. <laughs> Maybe you can share that as well. But when you know things are ticking along and you've yeah. got firm belief in each other, just delivers. Yeah, wins just breed wins. You just become more and more consistent as it goes on and on. And, uh, you know, you see that with, with, with both these teams. They just keep winning and winning, and and they just uh, they have that supreme confidence. But I just love the humility of both these teams. There, there's no arrogance there. There's no um, indulgence. They, they they don't ever have disrespect for the opponent. They they just kind of systematically go about dismantling that opponent in their own unique ways. And um, I I had that at Sunderland. I'll tell the story quickly, but. We we were in a real fight with uh, 2004, 2005. We were in a real fight with Wigan, Ipswich, Sunderland. And we were neck and neck all year. We took a while to get going with a lot of new players. And eventually, you know, sort of maybe turning the year, February time, we started to go on a great run. And we were just winning game after game after game. I think we won 11 in the last 13. And so the um, the third last game of the season was against Leicester actually at home and we beat them 2-1 and we, we got promotion we were waiting in the changing room we heard the word great celebrations Saturday night we had a party if you can no. believe that KJ yeah. come on I organised it if you can believe that did you? So, yeah. oh, I'm sure you took everyone home and drove everyone home as well like, no, no. Oh. we had a fantastic party we uh, we went into Sunderland and then we got up on the Sunday we had a barbecue with another party <laughs> and we had we had another party on a the barbecue uh, on the, like, yeah, 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 a bit of food them, yeah. with your beers yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a burger and beers uh, and then on the, the Monday we had another few beers, I think. You know, so oh. it comes to Tuesday, we start training. We've got a game the Friday night against West Ham. Oh, okay. Uh, so short week. Yeah, <laughs> short week. Just a good week to party, wasn't yeah. it? And I remember Mick pulling us in after 20 Mick minutes. McCarthy. Mick McCarthy. 20 uh, minutes. Where are you, Big Cole? Hey, 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 what's going on? He looked at me and he was just like shaking his head. He loved to have a go at me, Mick. I love him for it. But uh, So anyway, we went into the Friday night game and we were, you know, not really prepared for a professional football match. West Ham were up for it, Upton Park, it was buzzing. And we were losing 1-0 at half-time. We are lucky to be losing 1-0. We were defending pretty well, actually. And Mick was having a go and going through the different things. And I'll never forget the feeling. I looked round the changing room and I just smiled to myself and I sat back 
And I said in my mind, we're going to win this game. I just know we're going to win this game. It was the weirdest feel. I never felt good. My team weren't playing well. Right. It was just winning. Winning breeds yeah. winning. And so we got out in the second half. We scored 78 and 83. We beat them 2-1. We won the, the championship. Right. And an, an amazing moment. We won the last... We partied again for another four days because <laughs> we won the league this time. <laughs> and we won the last game at Stoke. And uh, Carl Robinson got the winner, actually, at, at Stadium of Light. And, um, and again, you know, we just... We, we, if there was another five games that season, we'd have won every one. We were just purring along. We could not get beat. And both these sides are playing like that, aren't they? Yeah, Especially yeah. in the domestic season, obviously Liverpool had a heavy defeat to Barcelona, a game that they were a better team. But when you keep winning and you keep winning, you, you, you just have such supreme confidence. It's just, I'm actually, I'm disappointed now that one of them's going to lose. Yeah. You? yeah, I am. I am. Let's move on to Liverpool then. Actually, before we do that, Jared asks on Ask AFP, <clears throat> excuse me, and a reminder, hashtag Ask AFP, get your questions in. Many times we read them all and we do appreciate you listening. Um, by the way, I went to a sports card show this weekend before I went to TFC. Right. You, know, you know, my son loves his yeah. hockey cards. And two or three people come up to me. Actually, Shane, I think, was one of them. Shane Robinson, thank you. All saying big fans of the podcast. So that, oh, that, fantastic. That really thank nice you. of them to say it. Jared asks, where does Vincent Company rank on your best EPL centre-backs of all time? Well, I've waxed lyrical about Company being a fantastic leader and he's there because of his mentality and everything. Um, but for me... I think it's a little overrated when you're talking mm. about all-time centre-backs in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, he's only started, <clears throat> excuse me, 39 games that last three seasons. Makes some mistakes a little bit, just jumps up into the yeah. play a little bit. So high level, I mean, I'm just being, being, a, bit panicky, uh, being a bit finicky here and pedantic, yeah. but high level for me, I don't think of him as being amongst the best centre-backs. I, I, I like him a lot, KG. I, I think we're sometimes cloudy a little bit by recent years and, and his injuries and... But I think at one point he was very dominant. Um, he's pretty good in the ball. He's, he's strong. He was quick at one point as well. And so I, I think sometimes we think about the last three or four years, whereas the first three or four years were like exceptional, in my opinion. So I think he's up there. I, I don't think he's the best. Yeah. Um, like I, he's never reached like a Van Dyke level, has he? He's yeah. not Van Dyke. He's, he, 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 he's not Rio. Rio. He's not Vidic. He's not yeah. John Terry. No. Um, but he, he has a place and, and he certainly has a place in the history of this football club oh, and when you look at the, the, the titles that, that they'll have won under his leadership then you know he has to be in the equation but I know what you mean he, he is a bit he, he can be a bit rash at times but a, a wonderful player and yes. just a brilliant captain I, you said it today on TV I don't think there's anybody that ever comes in contact with him that doesn't respect him yeah. as high as any other professional they've worked with that's because he's he's such a great leader great leader and also the wonderful interview you can find it after the game on Sky Sports where it was brilliant wasn't it? The, the interviewer mistaken mistakes his humility for appreciating every minute of every game he plays as to thinking he was on the verge of retirement yeah. <clears throat> and when he asked about retirement he was like like apoplectic like no <laughs> I'm not going to retire but it was the kind of man who goes out there knowing that you just never know yeah you never know and yeah. you meet people like that all the time about life we none of us no, no, you just never know. And if, and if you can appreciate every day, yeah, someone says to you, How's your life been? It's been amazing. You don't talk like it's gonna end, yeah, live but it you, to the field, you live, eh? and it's like that on, on the field and as well. And he plays like that, now, he does. doesn't he? Yeah, he appreciates every he moment does. he gets. And the other thing, too, is he's never complained when he's not played. No, he's a club captain, it's never been a massive issue. Oh, Vincent Company's on the bench again, mm. and he's gonna have a speak out to the media, yeah. And he's accepted his role, he's basically third or fourth on the depth chart yeah. most of the time, even when he's fit, captain on the bench. It says a lot about a man, yeah, he's, he's, he's very unselfish isn't he yeah no question um, quickly before we get to TFC against Orlando Liverpool uh, beat Newcastle in a remarkable football game on Saturday three goals to two and they found a different winner again just much much like Manchester City Divock Origi the 12th goal by a substitute yeah. this season for Liverpool wow. that's a Premier League high 18th header by Liverpool this season that's a Premier League high as well Doug Deep found a way I like the goal here by the way Vir Virgil van Dijk I don't know if you saw this they got a free kick which was never a free kick Fabinho died yeah, I saw that. but they got a free kick and um, Shakiri was suddenly trusted with Premier League minutes again for the first time in about three months <laughs> uh, I guess desperate times call for desperate measures Shakiri's on the ball and um and, and I think Alexander-Arnold Alexander who'd yeah. already got two assists in yep. the game and Alexander-Arnold like puts the ball down and 
see Shakiri like a ball boy and like, you know, move out of the way or whatever. <laughs> but anyway, Virgil van Dijk like puts his hand up and says, no, he goes in swing yeah, it, in yeah. swing it. And he tells them. Yeah. So Shakiri gets the nod from his captain and he in swings it and then boom, header. So van Dijk saw it coming. Yeah, I thought that was quite smart. And, and the reason I think he did it was that Newcastle was too deep for me yeah. and so it would have suited that outswinger where Good they point. could have went out and attacked it and the inswinger was the right ball and, and lo and behold Origi who's he's a big guy isn't he big you know guy. I wouldn't like to mark him he he gets uh, Lascelles was it pretty deep I'm sure it was Lascelles Jamal yes. Lascelles yes. and he and he out jumps him but it's because he's too deep the line's not great from Newcastle and Smart from Van Dyke to see that the inswinger was the right ball. Mm, and Newcastle, that's one of their Achilles heels. So one of the, yeah. big, the, lead, the leaders in the Premier League conceding goals from set pieces as well. So Liverpool did the job again. Um, belief was the word that they needed. They stepped up 11 assists, Trent Alexander-Arnold, 11 assists for Andrew Robertson. Two fullbacks, 22 assists combined. Absolutely incredible. It's unbelievable. They're, 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 they're playmakers, aren't they? Yeah, you, yeah. Know, you take away the front three who score the goals and create a lot just out of nothing. And they two guys are the playmakers. The midfielders have to get the ball wide to, mm. to the guys and they're just relentless. Um, I've said before, I, I think Robertson's season has been remarkable. The improvement and the, the, the sort of quality and consistency from him is, is absolutely incredible. Just relentless up and down up and down all day and Alexander Arnold has a bit bit more quality and a bit more guile a bit more ability he to made kinda, some passes oh, in that game you were just like amazed. I've never seen an English right back make a pass like that in my He's life brilliant he just steps inside doesn't he and picks yeah. his head up and he can play the diagonal he can play a little curler he has he has so many different um, shapes to his mm. passes as well he can sort of do anything and um, and he also gets forward as well but I, I think Alexander Arnold's a bit more cultured and Yes, and a, a way more stylish than Robertson. Robertson's all about raw power, but I don't think you can take away from either of the two guys. KJ, they've, they've been exceptional. They've been great, no question about it. And um, obviously, we tape this with uh, the Champions League at different times in the in the week. We don't really want to touch about it, but yeah. we we sat and watched the game against Barcelona yeah, together, and they were very much in it yeah they were, they, were, team. they were in it they had three glorious chances Sadio Mane first yeah. off James Milner and then Salah hit the post yeah and that was the difference you know and ultimately they're not gonna we don't think they're gonna not gonna surprise anybody here they're not gonna get to a Champions League final but they've got to a Champions League semi-final back-to-back years they're not gonna probably win a Premier League title yeah. but they've got to look like 97 points and as we said before on this show it's it's not the end mm. it's been the way they went toe-to-toe with Barcelona it was very impressive very impressive. They were the better team. I took a lot of stick for a, a tweet that I put out right after the game because I, I firmly believe they were a better team. Don't read the mentions. <laughs> they missed three brilliant chances. The, the, the only thing was they should have put the ball in the back of the net yeah. and they came up against the, the greatest player of all time. It's as simple as that. Yes. And that, that was the difference in the game. They've got a, you know, a, a mountain to climb, but it was a very... Uh, confident performance by Liverpool and again another indication that the future's really bright I think that they're going to go into the summer they should be really proud no matter what happens now and know that they're on the right track and they are going to win trophies there's no doubt about it they're a different level to um, no disrespect to even Tottenham yeah. we have that conversation miles but ahead. they're miles ahead and they've changed also they've changed the perception of the club as we've covered on past podcasts now it it's to the point where, of course, I'll go to Liverpool. It's like Liverpool or Barcelona. Well, okay, Barcelona probably, but Liverpool might give me more minutes. So it's like it's during the conversation at the top period of, of clubs. They're one of the, the biggest clubs in Europe again. Yeah. Said yeah. it today, and it's like the eighties again, and 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 they're they're primed and on the verge of winning big trophies. And once they win one, I think they win a few. No question. Okay, before we get to Shawnee in the headlines, Toronto FC went down south um, in a, the heat that caused a lot of fit yeah. professionals to be rolling on the ground and quite honestly the the game was really impacted by it um because i mean you know me i complain a lot about slow games in mls i guess they had an excuse for it there's a few <laughs> other a few other games this weekend that had zero excuses for yeah. it another weekend of slow ponderous major league yeah. soccer sort it out um but this game was affected by the heat. But to be fair to Toronto FC, and particularly the skipper in the second half, they were like, okay, we're just going to take this. If you if you don't want to take this, Orlando, we should be used to the heat. We're just going to take over the game. They weren't by far the better team, but yeah. they were the better team. Yeah, it, it was like, why mess around for 60 minutes? You sort of just grabbed the right. game, 55, 60 minutes, went, what are we doing here? We've we're got way more quality than Orlando. And it was... Um, 
you know, started by Bradley. He was Michael Bradley was terrific. He stepped into things and up to tempo just through a couple of challenges and 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 like I said, stepping forward because at that moment everyone was just sitting back and waiting for something to happen. And then obviously the turning point was was Azorio's goal. Brilliant moment goal, from him. Yeah. Brilliant, great feet, jinking in and out, and then the finish at the right time. And the, the the second that goal went in, I thought the TFC just relaxed and went, "Okay, yeah. let's get home." It needed a moment points. that didn't it? Though? It did a moment of quality. Yes. It was a game devoid of quality. Orlando were 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 very mediocre, um, and TFC were were too slow again. It's a big problem. I'd be a bit concerned if I was Greg Van, even in a victory. How uh, how ponderous your, your word, KJ, they can be, you know, side to side, nowhere to go. Auro was really average, in my opinion. I'm a little no, concerned about him, yeah. by the way. I don't think he's playing at the level that he should be. You? He should be better. He, he had t- five, six yards a few times on the fullback. He's just standing off him. Go run at him, do something. He just kept going back inside or trying to float a ball into a box. Uh, the, the, they need a striker, second striker. Josie Altidore, uh, I know Hamilton got his brace recently, but it was he, he's not good enough to lead the line in, in Altidore's absence. Um, uh, puts Wellows struggling a little bit for space when he gets his head up. He looks as great as ever, but yeah. there's some issues there. I, I think that it was a, a big three points, important three points, but if I'm Greg Vanny, I'm I'm really just driving home the fact that when they play like that, they look like everybody else. Mm. And when they go with the tempo and they play with a bit, a bit more pace, then they're contenders. They're certainly up there with the best teams in the East, in my opinion. Yes, side to side, get it quicker moving. Yeah. You know, you get it, get side to side, <clears throat> then in. Then you know, in. it's like yeah. side to side to side to yeah. side. Yeah, go side to side, into a striker, and then get runners off. The Azorio goal, one of my favourite goals from him. I know he's got a lot of goals yeah. over the last few years, but I think it speaks to the evolution of him, having the confidence and the swagger to believe. He believed the moment he picked that ball up that he was going to score the goal the way he scored it. Yeah. And, the, and he hasn't always had that. And that's about, that's down to him, and I've spoken to him about this personally. That's down to him slowing the game down. It's down to him being confident in his ability to do it and reading plays and, up, and op, opposition's defenders. Mm-hmm. Just become not only a more smarter person on the field, but off the field as well. Mm-hmm. And that's that helped him in that whole situation situation for me yeah he's he's so mature these days Jonathan and and I always think back to the the lad that I met who had prodigious talent and had moments uh, in 2013 when I first got here and I think about him in 2019 it's just two completely different people he was just a boy then now he's a man and he plays like a man and he doesn't allow anxiety to come into his game I, I felt like that happened to him in the early parts of his yes. career where he felt like he always had to have a big moment and a big impact trying to and, prove things yeah, all the time yeah. yeah and he was anxious in the way that he played and now he just lets things develop he has the, the patience to allow it to, to happen in front of him he was better than I've seen him in recent weeks because he wasn't stuck out in that left hand side Greg Vanny asked him to come inside a little bit more and leave the channel for Morrow and that suited him a bit but I would be even trying more to get him in that central area and to get him more involved in the game yeah. because when he, he, did when he that, is didn't need to be fair he's yeah. a lot more involved than he was we, yeah. we, we mentioned the touches last week mm-hmm. and we talked to Greg Vanny and asked him are you going to get any and he knew he was he ready he wanted them inside he, yeah. wanted, he was ready for the question yeah. it was clearly that they'd seen what we'd seen yeah, as yeah. Well. same thing Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not a guy that should be stuck out in the left hand side he's, he's done a job out there but get him central and get him creating Last one before we move to Shawnee. Again, many people asking this on hashtag AskAFP. Um, is it now Westberg's job to lose? This is what I would say to that. It is clear from Greg Vanny that, and this is no big secret, with the money games coming up this month, that the rotation policy is going on. Would I expect Alex Bono to be in the net in the game very in the game very soon? A hundred percent. Yeah. And um, so to answer your question, I'm not saying on the fence. Would I would say right now that Quinton Westberg is one A and Alex Bono is one B. We yeah. do not have a one two. Yeah. Yeah, I would say the same. I'd say Westberg is is, is in a great position. He's mm-hmm. did pretty well, and I think Greg Vanny likes a lot of parts of his game. But Bono's getting to get opportunities in May and, and he's going to get a chance. And I still think he's going to have to take him. Yeah. And hopefully it doesn't happen. But if Westberg has a shaky game, I think Bono could be back. You know, so it's, yeah. it's very much 50 50 at the moment, 70 30 at the moment in Westberg's favour. But this is by no means a done deal. And Alex Bono's going to be sitting there as number two for months and months. They're both going to get games. It's going to go into the summer. And I think as the stretch comes, then, you know, whoever's been the better of the recent games will, will have that role. 
competition for places could never do you a harm. Over to you, Shawnee. So you're saying I should change my fantasy lineup. <laughs> I, have, I have Westbrook in for two games, so I might have to change that. Uh, moving on to headlines. Uh, speaking of another keeper, uh, David De Gea has a week to decide if he accepts United's contract extension or if he needs to move on this summer. How do you see this saga ending? Well, without any inside knowledge, I think De Gea will probably sign the deal because I think United are going to pay him what he wants because I think he understands that the club is in a, a precarious state, in massive need of renovation, and the last thing they want to do is add another list, another position to that list of called goalkeeper. And if David De Gea signs a five-year contract, let's just say this, because uh, I was talking about this on my serious show, um, if he signs a five-year contract, I think I'm right here, in, in, on Alexis Sanchez money, it's about a hundred million so, but if David De Gea leaves for free mm-hmm. at the end of next season, it's going to cost you that in transfer fee alone to get someone like Jan Oblak. Yeah. So, look, it's an unbelievable amount of money. Question the mark where you should never pay it. But once you establish that as you're able to pay any player, i.e. Alexis Sanchez, who again was a disaster on the weekend, the waster. If you pay that player that amount of money, David De Gea has every right to then, or certainly his representatives, every right to go, hang on a minute, you're paying this guy this amount of money? I want that money. And I think United, I don't think they're strong enough right now. I I think they'll pay him. Gone, in my opinion. Gone for two reasons. Uh, The main reason is David De Gea needs a change. And I think he will want that change. I think he realises that he's been there too long. He needs freshened up. He's making mistakes. His career is on the slide. And I think it's because he needs freshened up. And I think that I get your point, KJ, and I I understand his agent will be asking for that money. But what happens when you go to your targets in the summer? They're going to ask for the same. Right. And the new guys, that you know, the the Rashwoods that you, you want to renew, they're going to ask for the same. At some point... You need to make a stand. Uh, we are always the ones that, that talk about a, a coach or a club understanding their talent better than anyone mm-hmm. else. And you you got to put a value on everybody and say, this is it. Now, I, I'm with you. It's going to take 75 to 100 million to get the goalie that can replace the hair. But I just think this thing might need freshened up at this point. And I've been a big fan of the hairs. And I've said for the longest time, Manchester United can't afford to lose them. But I just think the way this season's went, the way that they're going as a club, the money it'll take to keep them, the fact that he might want a change, he'll be gone and someone else will be coming in. The big clubs are lining up for uh, Donny Vandebeek. Uh, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, PSG, Bayern Munich, and probably every other team uh, in the world. <laughs> but if you were Donny, uh, which club would you choose a- a- to take the next step and why? Manchester United. Because he would play every week and he would get an opportunity to get better. And I think United need to go get players like Donny van der Beek and Jadon Sancho and get younger and not try to compete with Manchester City and Liverpool in 2019, but try and compete with them and beat them in 2021 and 22. And you got to get players like this now. Players who may cost a lot of money, but players who have the potential to go from very good to world-class. And that's what I would do. Those teams there, Liverpool... I mean, a wonderful place to go and play. I'm not sure he would... Well, I know you can't guarantee he's going to play every week because he's an attacking midfielder. Would he play in in a three like that? Maybe, but he likes to get forward a lot. So I'm not sure. Arsenal wouldn't go near him right now. For me, there's a lot of problems at that club. And yeah, you play every week, but... I mean, I just think if you've got a chance to go to Man United, it's better. Tottenham, nice. I mean, obviously to play under Pochettino, uh, but I'm not convinced that he's going to play there every single week. I'm, I'm, I think they might need a deeper player than Donny van der Beek. PSG and Bayern Munich, the same. I don't think he'd play every week either. So that's my answer. Yeah, um, um, I, I think Liverpool's an interesting one, KJ. I'm not sure he's going to go there, but I would like to see that interchange between Firmino and van der Beek. I think that might be quite yeah, interesting. And as yeah. Liverpool are trying to find that X factor, I could see that. I can't see Arsenal. I don't think he'll go to Spurs. Uh, PSG and Munich have the money. I, I really hope he doesn't go to Munich. I'd love to see him in English football. And um, I don't think PSG is the right move. I'm with you. Manchester United would be a great one for him. And it would be the exact or the, the, the perfect kind of signing for them. You're right. These are the kind of guys that they need to sign. This is the direction they need to go. They cannot think about winning the league in 2019. 
20. It's impossible, KJ. Yeah, no it's chance. impossible. Absolutely no they chance. can't get a group of players together. They're so far behind Liverpool, Manchester City. They can't get a group of players together that'll get them there in that season. They can get closer. And the best way to get closer and then surpass them is by building, by having young guys who can develop and grow and become even better. So uh, that would be very interesting. I hope they have the insight to maybe go for that. It'll be exciting to see. But I would be, I would love Liverpool if that's going to happen. Frank Ribery announced that his time at Bayern Munich has come to an end. Uh, Where do you think Ribery ends up next? And do you think this has any... Um, indication or any sort of future for Alfonso Davies at Bayern Munich? I don't think it's got much future for Alfonso Davies because I think Ribéry will be replaced. And, um, you know, Frank Ribéry's 36. There's rumours about going to Istanbul, Galatasaray, where he was before, maybe for a year. I'm not even sure he's in MLS. He's not that far away from finishing for good. That's what I would think. Yeah, Yeah, I'm the same. Um, I really don't know where he goes, KJ. It depends if he wants another payday. Or if he wants to, um, you know, to, to play for a, a a team that he's always fancied playing for, I think he'll get anywhere if he's if he's reasonable. Maybe he'll be linked with TFC like Robin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, he's thirty six years old, so he, he is coming to the end. Still a wonderful player. I, I just Turkey seems a bit right, doesn't yeah. it? They'll pay him the money, and he'll, he'll probably play a year or two. Uh, according to the Toronto Sun tonight, it looks like Omar Gonzalez transfers off with the deadline being a Tuesday at midnight. Do you think anything happens in the next 24 hours? Well, I mean, according to my sources about the last time I checked in a couple of hours ago, they, they think they can still get something done. Um, but um, they, they've been resolute in their opinions that this has been very difficult for them and they've faced roadblocks that they never have foreshadowed and foresaw. So, um, like Omar Gonzalez, Lucas Hansen, the, the two targets that they thought they could try and get over the line. And, uh, I just think it's interesting that they went really hard after Omar Gonzalez when they got Lauren Simon. And maybe that's an indication that they're more concerned about Drew Moore's injury than they're necessarily letting on. And I'm not saying Omar Gonzalez would have been, wouldn't have been a fine addition. It would have been, but you spend all the money on Lawrence Simon. You sp- add, you've got Chris Mavinga. There isn't many centre-backs p- combined with those, and Drew Moore uh, paid that amount of money in Major League Soccer. So they would have really set themselves up to be, I I think, uh, at a real difficult time. They've got to figure this out, this Simon and, and, and Mavinga relationship. They were better in Orlando yeah. than they've been all season, uh, albeit against a, a, a a slow Orlando team but um, it doesn't appear that another centre-back is coming in before Tuesday's deadline Stevie yeah I don't know if it's the right thing to bring a centre-back KJ I think that uh, they're clearly shaky at the back I can understand why but when you go through the cap I just don't know how they can make it work Zavaleta's on decent money Drew Moore's on good money yeah. you have Simon uh, and Mavinga and so I, I just don't see how it works Gonzalez is a quality player, I said on the broadcast, I've not seen a lot of them in Mexico, so I just remember the guy that was at LA Galaxy in a few US national team games, but he certainly would, would be a, a good addition. But they need attacking midfielders and they need wide players more, in my opinion, than, than they need Omar Gonzalez. So if it was one or the other, and I don't think Lucas Hansen is the answer, but if it was a wide player or Gonzalez and it was an intricate deal for Gonzalez, I'd just let it go and try and get the wide player. Atlanta United have won three of their last four matches. Is this team finally figuring out how to play DeBoer's style, or are they going to be in trouble against TFC on Wednesday? Um, I don't think they're going to be in trouble against TFC, um, although TFC got a good record against Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not convinced they've, they've figured out DeBoer's style. They beat uh, an absolutely pathetic New England revolution, by the way. They are, yeah. they are bad, yeah. really bad. Colorado, 1-0 who are bad, like worse than New yeah. England, like MLS, <laughs> bottom of MLS too. And um, a, an injury ravaged sports in Kansas City. It's yeah. so not taking anything away from them. Barco now gone to the World Cup, the under 20 World Cup. That's a big loss because yeah. he's been very good from them. Look, we talk about playing it's a, a game at speed. They they can do that. But look, they have, I wouldn't say that they're the back. Pity no. Martinez is not doing anything yet. He's not playing. He's he's not firing. He's he's best off the right hand side, and he's he's playing a central role because they can't trust him defensively, off the right. And Gressel is a a, a very sound football player, one of my favourite players in MLS. Actually, does just about everything very well. Um, so Peter Martinez is not 
fit in yet and, and they're trying to put uh, round pegs and square or square pegs and round holes I should say in my opinion or round pegs and square holes yeah whatever yeah, yeah both the same Parkhurst is playing left back Right. Pretty much, yeah. you know, Miles Robinson's a decent centre half, but either way, he's not a bad player, he's a good player yeah. and he's improving uh, all the time. And there's still a lot of things to like. They're much like TFC, in my opinion. <laughs> they're capable of really exceptional, <laughs> a little bit unbalanced, yeah, and they're capable of mediocre. And right. You don't really know what you're going to get from them. Remedy's a good player, Nagby's quality. So the quality's there. It's just not quite fitting together, and and I, I don't think. I don't think all of that's down to Frank De Boer. I think that mm. he, he was given uh, a lot of quality, but some aging players who need to be replaced, need to be refreshed, and it's never that easy to trade and refresh in MLS. It's okay to go out and, and buy your guys, but once your TAM money goes and your DPs are away, then you know, you're needing to try and get trades, and it's not that easy, and you need to kind of pick up a gem who's maybe languishing somewhere and revitalise them, yep. and it, it, it's, it's, it's a risk. And so um, they're, they're a bit of a team in transition as well, in my opinion, very flawed. Talking about Frank DeBoer and picking up gems, you just remind me, I, I spoke about being at the card show on the weekend. Yeah. I found some 1994 World no Cup way. cards in the pack, and I haven't opened them yet. So I thought about like maybe a segment in the future where I'll come and I'll open a pack and we'll talk about the players and pack that'd like, be awesome do you like that idea let's do it let's do that so we'll save that for an upcoming show uh 1994 world cup cards unopened wow one dollar a pack bargain <laughs> all right it is your last chance to send in your premier league best 11s for your chance to win some kj and cold War merchandise we will announce the winner during next week's premier league finale podcast stevie you'll be on the road in england next week yes um we're gonna get you on the phone though don't worry about that it's all right yes I, mean, I don't know if you'll be in the middle of another barbecue <laughs> party um uh, but you are heading over to england and before we say we could just say you're just going up to anfield to enjoy it but there's a reason why you're going over and we have to celebrate the fact that what's the reason come on let's be honest uh well we're having a bit of a reunion at, at turf moor for the burnley uh 2009 playoff victory. who'd you be that day we beat sheffield united right, that's right who, congratulations are back in the premier they are back it took them a while uh, yeah yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're going. We're going back for. I'm going back for that, and we're all getting together. And I can't wait. I've not seen some of the guys for almost ten years, so it's going to be a, a great little reunion. And and thank you to Burnley Football Club for, uh, you know, really loving that team. They yeah. really do, and the support. Well, they should because that's still the founder. You can't say this probably, but the foundation that you guys set for then, back then, it was like Burley's in the Premier League, and now no one ever goes. Billy's yeah. in the Premier League you know you built it you built it yeah it's exciting and and a great bunch of guys you know like really everyone says that especially when you win but a great bunch of guys and I can't wait to see every one of them I'm so excited I think of the different players Graham Alexander Robbie Blake Stevie Jordan Michael Duff um, Martin Parkinson I could go on and on I'm, I'm leaving good very very good mates of mine out yeah. I never started that but I can't wait to find I'm sure they're they all are. listening so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll have a laugh and we'll probably have a beer or two please do and come back with some great stories as well um, okay Shawnee over to you for hashtag ask AFP Tito asks uh, what is up with the Montreal Impact and their Jekyll and Hyde routine right now yeah, um, I guess, well, if we break it down, Jekyll's an amazing defender, and it's really good when it's nil-nil, but Hyde can't score the goals. So that's the problem they've got right now. You know what I mean? Hyde's, by the Does way. Does Hyde have a pseudonym? <laughs> He's injured. It's called Piazzi. <laughs> that's the problem. Montreal are really good. They've got a good base and difficult to break down, but you you break them down, then suddenly, yeah, you know, they go down one nil. It's like climbing a mountain. Do you know what I mean? It's like, whoa, boys, we've got a long way to go up there. Yeah, and that's the problem. They've, they play very deep, and they've not got a lot of goal scorers. So, you know, I wasn't surprised to see, by the way, NYCFC win the game because they've gone to a back three. Sands has come to a back three. They've changed it around since we saw yeah. him here, and it's allowed Mitrica and others to open up a little bit. I like we like Sands. He's gone in that back three. I like him. Um, they've changed the system. Get Matarita forward a little bit more now, and, and turn home as fullbacks as, yeah. as wingbacks. Uh, so I wasn't surprised with the result, but I think that's basically it. Really, I think they're going to be in games a lot. They're going to win games, but. The, the challenge is scoring, scoring goals. Yeah, it always will be for Montreal. They're, I think they are where they should be. They're, they're, they're hit and miss. They're pretty average. They're just, um, they can be great one week and they, and they can be average the next week. And, and they certainly miss Piatti. They, they can't find the consistency up top without him. And 
Um, uh, you know, I, they're like many teams in the East. They're, they're vulnerable. They have their qualities and they have their moments, but they're vulnerable. And that's why it's it's a pretty open uh, conference this year, in my opinion. Anybody can win it because I think they all have their flaws. Raving Times asks, um, after a really hot start, can Jay Chapman make the Canada 23-man roster of the Gold Cup? Absolutely. I, I mean, he's already been in the squad. He was in the squad in Vancouver, albeit I think he was... <clears throat> I remind me, Sean, he yeah, called he up, added when Arfield and Davies. Davies. Yeah. yeah. So we know that he's in the mind of, of John Herbman and he's, and, you know, you write down 30 men, he's in it, isn't he? So 27, yeah. he's in it. Yeah. So um, they are... I think he. They are looking for impact players. He's found an ability to make impact in the final third. I feel for him in this TFC team because whenever he's put on, they almost ask him to do things that are not his strengths. Yeah. And I think that's unfortunate because they're always looking for some width or they're looking for a game changer. And it's not. I'd like to see Jay Chapman be given a chance to really play like in a midfield in three and give him a chance to see what he can do because he hasn't really been given that opportunity albeit to try and find yeah. that consistency. I remember doing, I commentated a game in Columbus a couple of seasons ago and he came on and took over the game, absolutely ran the game. I'm like, okay, this is what you want from him. And then a couple of times he disappears, but that's, that's, that's quite a harsh criticism because I understand that he's really only being given very small times yeah. to impact games. He rarely gets starts. No, he doesn't get starts and he never gets a run of games. And, you know, it's, it's twofold. You need to prove and, that the manager can trust you to do that and, and I'm not sure he's entirely done that and then for him he's like well okay I'll prove it if I can get a little run because I know it's never easy to find that consistency unless you get the run but he basically has to keep doing what he's doing he's, he's becoming that impact guy that guy you can trust that can bring a bit of energy he was terrific against Orlando not just the goal he came on his first pass with the left foot out wide to I think it was Morrow to the left hand side for sure nice and crisp and all of it and that's what you want from substitutes yep. impact do something important scored a great goal more of that and he might just sneak onto that aeroplane and beat the gold cup MH Nathanson asks who would you keep from Manchester United for next season well, this won't be a long segment, will it? <laughs> uh, I'm going to pull up my Man United page here with the roster. And uh, let's go through it. Uh, David De Gea, Stevie's got rid of him. Gone. Ashley Young just signed a one-year deal, but really, come on, if you could get anyone, anybody could buy him, you'd be fine. Uh, Matteo Darmian, see you, mate. Uh, Luke Shaw, one. Stay. Okay. Chris Smalling, gone. Yeah, no. I mean, He's stay, gonna stay not play. You wouldn't want him, would you? No. Phil Jones. Same. Bye. Gone. Lindelof, keep. Keep. All right, we're at two. Um, Antonio Valencia, MLS. Uh, yeah. Ander Herrera, PSG. Yeah. Uh, Scott McTominay. Uh, Doesn't re play. Recent April Player of the Month for Manchester United. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I think it says everything about... I feel for the lad, but I mean, yeah. you know, he's, he's, a, not leaving, he's, a, he's he? a hard worker, but he's he can't be in their best 11. Yeah. Hard, oh, that's the worst thing you could say to a footballer, eh? You're a hard worker. <laughs> <laughs> just know it's like he's just not... Um, Andreas Pereira. See ya. Not really delivered. Can't play in the eleven. Fred, done all right. Potentially, Fred, you're gonna you're gonna have Big to preseason. You can't get rid of him at this no point. No way. Fifty odd million pounds. Just like. You can't take that loss on him now. He needs to stand up and have a big preseason. He needs to be prepared to come back, and he's had a year to settle in. Yeah, it's his year to develop. Paul Pogba, he wants to leave, according to sources coming out today. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Manchester United, um, Real Madrid wants him, but Manchester United will have to lower their valuation of one hundred and fifty million pounds. Wow! Apparently, according to the Daily Telegraph, I'd put my wheelbarrow and push him to Madrid for a hundred. <laughs> Done. <laughs> There's your answer on him, Nemanja Matic. Um, talking of wheelbarrows, um, <laughs> he's been running. <laughs> that's, that, I'm sorry, but his performances in the second half of yeah. the season have been a disgrace. The guy runs around like he's 37 years old. He's 31. Okay, not good he's enough. Done, isn't he? Dallo, you spent twenty million on him. Nice enough, kid. He's not leaving. Marcus Rojo, amazing at getting sent off. Uh, Juan Mata, the, one of the best human beings in the world, yeah. looks like he's going to leave. Gone. He's going to go Says play everything. somewhere. Yeah, Alexis Sanchez. Well, he just came off in the fifty-fourth minute in the game against Huddersfield because you know less said about him, the better. But you know they're going to they can't. You know, Jesse Lingard will stay. Yeah. Martial signed just recently till 2024. Yeah. That was a great decision. Uh, since then, he's been absolutely useless. I mean, we're just going yeah. on and on and on here. A couple more. Uh, Marcus Rashford, not going anywhere. No. And your mate. Build your team around him. Lukaku. Oh, he's gone. Right. He needs to go. 
I know they're talking of wheelbarrows. <laughs> There's a few wheelbarrows there, isn't there? <laughs> There's a few wheelbarrows, that's for sure. Uh, uh, Sir uh, Earl asks, any soccer book recommendations, folks? Stevie? I've, one of my favourite soccer books ever is a book called Ajax Barcelona Cruyff. Yeah, you've lent that me. I'm reading yeah, it right are you now. reading it? Or are you just putting it in your cupboard like you do with most of the books no, I give I'm you? I'm reading What okay. do you mean most? Is there another book I haven't returned? It's in no, the Caldwell Library. I don't worried. need a back. I just want you to read it. I'm reading it. Right, I'm, okay. I'm worried that Fantastic. I need to return books to no, you. No, 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 no. I you borrowed returned, your Ancelotti book you and gave you it back. You did? Yeah. Um, no, I'll, it's a great book, KG. You'll you'll love it. It's a strange book it. because it's excerpts from uh, a couple of journalists in Holland who you know interviewed Johan Cruyff through the years through playing and coaching, and it's it's kind of back and forward. But there's some brilliant little insights here from one of the greatest soccer minds or football minds of all time, in Johan Cruyff, and uh, that's a terrific one. I love the pet books, Confidential, and. Uh, the other one called oh, anyway you'll, you'll find them easily enough there's a couple written by a, a terrific Spanish journalist yeah I there's a lot um, I'm unfortunately losing my mind to think right Ancelotti's now Ancelotti's a good one <clears throat> Ancelotti's is yeah. a great book yeah. I like that a lot um uh, I read a book called Living on the Volcano about football managers. That's mm. a terrific book. Uh, das Reboot by Raphael Honigstein oh, yeah. on the German. The Graham Hunter book on the Spain years, which is the the 2008, 2010, 2012, the inside looking down. That is the greatest football book I've ever read. Wow. Yeah. The insight you get into that is absolutely magnificent. There's, there's so many good books. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, Michael Cox's The Mixer is a very good one on the Premier League history of tactics. Um, Inverting the Pyramid by Jonathan Wilson. So many good ones. Hopefully that is enough for now. Brendan asks, does Jadon Sancho leave Dortmund this summer? And if so, where do you think he goes? Consistent on this podcast, but he goes to Manchester United. <laughs> I think, and I think he probably gets bought for about a hundred million pounds. Um, but that for me is, it sounds like United are interested. Yeah. That's the kind of player they need to buy because I think that he is much like, as I said before, um, Van der Beek, the kind of player that you can groom and make better. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. Um, he would be good for any side, uh, in my opinion. It's just disappointing he left English football, but would he be as developed and, and turned into player that he is already if he hadn't went to mm. Bundesliga and Dortmund, a, a great football club who really developed talent better than most? Uh, I think he may stay, actually, for another summer, but I could be wrong. Uh, £100 million is a lot of money, even with the talent that he has, I think. Maybe he stays for another summer and proves it again and then he goes for 100, 120 million after. Alvaro asks, with rumours of Lacazette being on the way out, should Arsenal's priority be completely rebuild the centre of their defence or the striker? Well, they they absolutely have got to sort out the defence. It's a shambles. You know, Granite Xhaka's decision to commit that penalty yesterday was just, again, another example of just so many times they just have these brain fades. Like, you know, Mustafi's been a disaster for them as well. So they need to rebuild the defence. But, I I mean, I, I think Lacazette is a terrific player. And I know there's rumours of big teams really wanted him now. But for me, if you can keep him in a Bamiyang, that's going to keep Arsenal in real serious competition to try and win trophies. You have to keep Lacazette. It's absolutely critical that uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang stay at the football club. The best thing that happened uh, this season, and they they need to stay for them to build. They they definitely need to need to rebuild the defence as well. Socrates never really worked. I don't think he's he's the answer, even though he's a great professional. They need a top dominant centre half. I feel like we've been saying that about Arsenal for the longest time, yeah, don't we? You no know, question. go and get the guy, go and get your Van Dijk, is it Koulibaly, whoever it is, go and just find the guy that's a leader that can make everyone else round about you play better. Because you might find that Socrates, for example, is, is a bit more consistent when he's playing alongside someone like a Van Dijk. I know. Is there anybody in the Premier League who you can look at a lower team and go, well, let's get him for Arsenal? Because the reason why I asked is the guy who was doing the game yesterday, he was like, uh, the commentator and the analyst was like, Duffy and Dunk have been brilliant today. They they they've been make Arsenal a lot better going forward. I'm no like, chance. Nah, that's like you, you can't just say that you those can. guys playing for Brighton would suddenly be great for Arsenal. Terrific right? players. I got so much respect for both of them, but they they, they sit in the edge of their box and yeah. they kick it and head it. Right. You know, and they play. But they do. They're yeah. brilliant at it. They are. They were terrific and again. I love watching it. I, I, like I say, I got so much respect for them, but they can't play for Arsenal. No, Arsenal. Uh, Emery's going to ask the defenders to go high, squeeze the play. That's why these guys look so vulnerable. You know, the, the, the guys that are playing there are still pretty good players, but 
they're not good enough to play the style that he wants them to play. So Correct. go and get athletic centre halves, bring a leader in, and be a much stronger team for it. Last question. Marco asks with his tongue firmly planted in his cheek, <laughs> what was the best part of the Vancouver Whitecaps Colorado Rapids match on Friday? Wow. Um, one that we won't remember fondly, I don't think. Uh, although there was yeah. lots, lots of... Go- for the color commentator, I enjoyed that. You had five goals, disallow goal, referee decisions. I actually enjoyed that. I know, I know the quality wasn't high, but I actually enjoyed the the action of the game, and I thought that the Whitecaps were were better than they have been for the first thirty five minutes, forty minutes, until Montero gave the penalty away. Who, incidentally, was playing really well from an attacking sense before that, and then. Really just got into a, a hole, didn't they? Yeah. It was difficult. The best moment for me, Andy Rose's goal. Great professional, great guy, uh, bad facial injury. And to see him come back, he brings an energy to that midfield that's badly needed. Just uh, too, too stale with the three that they've been picking. They need Andy Rose in the team and he took his goal really well. Best part for me was the Mark DeSantos, Jose Mourinho impression running down the touchline in his suit. <laughs> and uh, I know the goal eventually was disallowed, but it showed what it meant to him. Yeah, it was amazing. And he couldn't it? do it again, could he? Like no. three minutes later when the goal actually went in, he couldn't go again. You know what I mean? He scared the good disallowed exactly. probably. But it showed a, a rare yeah. piece of emotion about yeah. getting that first away win and what it meant to him. And, uh, you know, Las Bangora's got that celebration where he pushes his hands <laughs> and next time he might not want to run as far you might want to make sure that it's not uh, going to be disallowed because um, right now as we said uh, during the game VAR almost stands for Vancouver at this stage with the V so they've been involved in VAR almost every game alright that is our show for this week make sure to subscribe rate and review we are going to start reading on air and we continue to do so the only taps says huge football fan I come from Africa but I've been living in Canada for some years now and love watching you covering the matches on TV and flying the football flag in Canada hopefully you guys can del- Keep delivering great content through this podcast. Keep up the great work. Your neighborhood Madridista. That's very nice. Thank you very much. Only taps. We appreciate the kind words. Thanks to you all. And Stevie, safe travels, my friend. Thank you. We'll chat next week. See you soon. See ya.